for standing up and joining me today. We're going to read from Galatians 5, 22 through 23. This is what is titled around in the, if you're reading in the Bible verse, the fruit of the spirit. By contrast, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and control. There is no law against such things. And those, oh, nope, that's where I stopped. May, the, may, may you have blessings to the readers and do us of the word. Uh, I'm going to bring up past the lights here. <laughs> Joy, I want to thank you for serving as our literature today. Would, it, would you all give her a hand of affirmation? Look, standing up in front of people is not an easy thing to do at all. And so the fact that Joy pulled this off so wonderfully, and Joy has only been, as she said, a member for one year. That's wonderful. Here, me, here, here, I almost said me, the Lombard. That's in my mind because we'll have the, the all-site brunch. But she's only been at Hyde Park Woodlawn for one year, and so I'm thankful for her willingness to participate, her willingness to volunteer. And, you know, I hope her service serves as, as a good example for everyone else. You don't have to get it 100% right. We love you. We kind of get a sense of what you're saying. Look, we're here with you. We are our community. You may be seated. I'm preaching this morning from um, uh, this text, and I've entitled the sermon, Full of Fruit, Full of Fruit, Full of Fruit. I want to thank you all who gathered. We're small in number. Honestly, God is blessed because I figured here's, here's yet another member People are making their way in, in the midst of bad weather. Let me tell you, in the midst of, in the midst of bad weather, folk are making their way in. And I thank God for your presence. I thought it would be just a very, very skeletal amount of people, maybe even the praise team and those of you who are worshiping with us online. But you know what? God is so good to us. And I'm thankful for your presence. I'm thankful for our visitor with us today. Robert, bless you. Thank you for, for, for visiting today. We hope to see you yet again in our, in our midst. And we pray that service will be a blessing to you and to others who are visiting us online. Will you pray with me? God, for your generosity, for your blessing. For your presence in our lives, we give you thanks. God, yes, the weather is cold outside, but it's your world. It's your creation. And Lord, we thank you that even in the midst of even brutally cold weather, you've given us life. And we rose this morning with the blood running warm in our veins, dear God. We thank you that you've been with us and that you've blessed us to be here together. 
We thank you for our loved ones, dear God, wherever they may be. We pray that you would bless them also. And yet again, God, I pray for the world in which we live. This world that's full of war and rumors of war. This world where the innocent are harmed and nations wage unjust wars. God, I pray for the innocent non-combatants in the world. I pray for the people of Gaza. I pray for the leaders who are responsible for their pain, that you would move upon them, God, and cause them to have a change of mind so that we might be able to live and your people might all over the world might be able to live in peace. I pray for the hostages yet again, God, that you would bless and keep them. And God, I pray for wisdom in this world. I pray, yes, for peace, but I pray for wisdom so that peace might be realized through negotiations, through prudent imagination of a world where peace is really your will for us. Pray not only for peace, I pray not only for the end of war, but I pray for those who are homeless in this world, in this weather, God. I pray for the homeless. And I pray for migrants, dear God. And I pray that we who are so blessed, we who are so privileged, my God. Oh God, I pray you would move upon us. Bless us with a gentle spirit and a willingness to give and to care for those who are not in the positions that we currently are with all of our privileges, even though sometimes we think we have so little. When we look at the full scheme of the world, God, you've blessed us with so much. I humbly thank you, and I pray for your people this morning. I pray for your world. In the name of thy son, Jesus the Christ, amen. I want to take just a little time to perhaps do some teaching, a teaching sermon this morning um, that I hope will bless you. Um, as you're learning and as we are all learning how to live this life of being a Christian in the world in which we find ourselves in. The epistle, and this is epistle is another word for a letter, the epistle of Paul written to the church in Galatia should properly be understood as a response to a church that's in formational crisis. Now, what do I mean by that? This is a new church. These are new Christians. And Paul has written this epistle, this letter, to a group of Christian believers who are learning what it means to take tiny steps. You all talked about shuffle this morning. They weren't quite shuffling. They were beginning to take steps in Jesus Christ. This is the body of Christ that, questions. They are questioning now whether, in fact, they are really part of the body. How many of you have ever questioned your position and your walk in Christ? That's not a new thing to have questions about what it means to be a Christian. And this group of Christians in Galatia were questioning their position in the larger network, the larger body of Christ. They questioned not just because they had questions, but they were questioning 
What does it mean to live this life? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? They were questioning because there was a group of rivals, rival Christians. I probably shouldn't say rival Christians, but there were a group of Christians known as missionaries. These were missionaries. And these Christians were questioning and why, in fact, these these new members in the body of Christ had not gone through circumcision. And these, these Christians were, in fact, um, wondering and, and, and insisting that the laws and the rituals that were given to the Jews in the Hebrew text, in the Old Testament as we know it, uh, that those laws need to be followed with perfection. And it was more important for them to follow the laws than the grace that had been given to the church through the work of Jesus the Christ. More important for them. And they were pushing this. These, these, these rival group of Christians were pushing and they were spreading a false gospel that demanded that these new converts in Christ, these new converts to the faith, renounce the Christian faith that they were walking in. You ever have anybody come to you and say, look, you're following the wrong Jesus. You're doing it the wrong way. Well, that's not new. That's not new. People have questioned Christianity back in antiquity. And in fact, Paul was speaking to these Christians to try to encourage them as they were growing in Christ, encouraged them in their formation. And Paul basically said uh, to the church, am I now seeking human approval? Or is the approval that I really need the approval of God? Look, friends, if we seek the approval of human beings, we will always fall short of what it is that God wants for our lives. But if we seek the approval of God, I'm a witness today. How about you? If we seek God's approval, we'll be all right. We won't be perfect. We're not entered into a perfect, a perfect way. But we will certainly walk according. That's our desire to walk according to God's will in our lives. Church folks can really get so caught up in, in ritual and traditionalism, that they end up rejecting the very gospel of love and grace that called us, that called us into the faith, and that called us into the central body of Jesus the Christ. And it's interesting to me, these people that demand ritualism, that demand traditionalism, it's interesting to me that, that whenever people point to a kind of legalism over the grace that's been afforded to us in Jesus the Christ, that they insist and they want us to live um, in, in a kind of precision that Jesus did not ask of us. And they insist that unless you live in this kind of precision, unless you dot every I and cross every T, that in fact you are not a Christian. And I want to say to you, my friends today, that that is not of God. Jesus, Jesus understood that we were human beings and that we were imperfect. And thank God in understanding the imperfection 
of human beings that Jesus the Christ told the disciples, I won't leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into all truth. And that's why I like this passage of scripture for today's sermon. It deals directly with Christian formation. It deals directly with how to become the Christian and the follower of of Christ that God desires for our lives. Paul is addressing the church in Galatia as members of a larger body of Jesus the Christ. Now, they're not separate from the larger body of converts. And and I want to I want to sh- I want to suggest to us today that there is a way for us from time to time to believe that we are walking in the Lord all by our lonesome, all by ourselves. That we're we we have to do this thing all by ourselves. But we are really connected to a larger body um, of the kingdom of God, and they were connected to the body of Christ, according to Paul, through the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. We don't do this on our own. We are connected by God's grace. We're connected through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, now, how does that connection look? How does that connection look? I want you to think this morning of the analogy that Paul gives us for the body of Christ. We are a beautifully knit family tree that is so deeply rooted in Christ, that its members do not easily, according to Paul, gratify the desires of the flesh by returning to the same kind of behavior that hinders our being in right relationship with God. Instead, instead of gratifying the flesh, instead of walking according to to the flesh, Paul admonishes the body of Christ by describing what he calls the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. And he, he, he records and he gives to the church what he, what he understands the fruit of the spirit to be. And I think he is spot on when it comes to the fruit of the spirit. What is the fruit of the spirit? The fruit of the spirit is love, is joy, is peace. It's kindness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and it is self-control. Paul says, this is the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, think of the fruit of the Spirit as traits. Think of them as the character aim of the Christian believer. Think of the fruit of the Spirit as those things that we want to see embodied in our lives as Christian believers. The fruit of the Spirit. These are, these are our aims. This is how we want to live our lives. This is how we want to walk according to the Lord. The fruit by embodying, by being examples of the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit, now from Florida, God bless me especially today on this cold Chicago day. Now, I've lived in Chicago for many years, so Chicago is more home to me than the 18 years that I grew up in Florida, and yet I hold on to my Floridian ways. One thing we understood about fruit, and in Florida, let me brag a bit, 
may I hope you all who are following us following us online don't mind don't mind if I brag a little bit politics aside Florida is known for some of the best fruit in the nation you know I grew up walking outside picking I shouldn't I shouldn't do this huh I, sh I shouldn't brag I grew up walking outside picking mangoes off the tree I grew up being able to walk outside and pick avocados off the tree, pick lemons off the tree. Yes, and of course, pick oranges and grapefruits off the tree. We understood that the best fruit came from those trees that had deeply rooted themselves in the ground and were connected to great water supplies. Great, and Florida has, I mean, the rain comes down tor torrentially sometimes. And so that's why I think we have some of the, free, the, the sweetest fruit in the world. But fruit occurs when the roots are deep in the ground. Let me repeat that again. Good fruit, tasty fruit, sweet fruit takes place when a tree's roots are deep in the ground. I think Paul's words for us are an encouragement that we be deeply connected to not only the spirit, not only God, but deeply connected to one another, deeply connected to this family tree. The mangoes, there, was, there were no mangoes that grew on a branch all by themselves. There were other mangoes that were hanging on the branch. And what we got to do is choose from the ripest of mangoes and let those that weren't quite quite white just sit for a little while longer so they can get that kiss from the sun and get the nurturing that it needs. What am I getting at? Not everyone gets to maturity in Christ at the same time. And yet people want us, there, there's some people that want you to know everything, to be everything, to walk perfectly in Christ all at the same time. We are all on this journey connected to this tree but we are on this journey at the pace that God has for us do not feel my friends as though you have failed God because somehow or some way you're not as joyful as other people around you that comes with maturity that comes with nourishment that comes with remaining deeply connected to the tree itself. Live by the spirit, Paul wrote, and let the spirit so live in you that you allow yourself to be guided by the spirit. Be full of fruit. Be full of fruit. Don't walk in the desires of the flesh, but walk in the spirit. Those desires are always going to be present. I, I look, I know some, look, I, I was in the Pentecostal church before I shifted over to Methodism. And one thing, Joy, you talked about the church of God in Christ. I was in the church of God. One thing the Pentecostal church really felt is that somehow or some way you crucify the flesh, they would say. Crucify the flesh so that you don't act out the sins of the flesh. But the, but the other thing that they, they didn't do as well, I think, 
in terms of discipleship is always reminding the believer that the desires of the flesh, the flesh is always going to have desires. You're always going to desire to do what is not indicative of the fruit of the spirit. That's part of being human. You don't get saved and all of a sudden become a saint. You, you know, you give your life to the Lord and you still an ain't. You know, you're not, you're still an ain't, but you're on your way. You're on your way to being what God wants you to be. Now, and how is that possible? Because when the spirit is full in our lives, we become full of the spirit. When the spirit is full in our lives, when the spirit is operating fully in our lives, operating fully in our lives, how does that happen? How, do, how is it that the spirit begins to operate fully in our lives? We have work to do in order to allow the spirit to operate fully in our lives. How do we do that? Studying the Bible. Being in connection with one another. I hear you. Go ahead, Robert. You may. Being obedient to the spirit of God. But how do you know when you're obedient? How do you know when you're disobedient? You know, how does a baby know when they're obedient and when they're disobedient? Because the parent gently leads them. The parent gently trains them. The parent gently nurtures them. And they make mistakes. You know, they make mistakes and they learn from their mistakes. It is not our responsibility to keep people from making mistakes because mistakes teach us. Mistakes help us to walk in the spirit, okay? When the spirit is fully operating in our lives, we don't give in to hate because we are filled with love. When the spirit is operating fully in our lives, we don't give in to impatience where everything has to happen now, 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 now. Amen to those of you that go to the, to the you know, you, we going, we're going to get some fast food. We go to Burger King. Don't let that order come back too slow. <laughs> Don't let that fast food order come back slow. We have very little patience with the fast food workers. Out and amen. When the spirit is operating fully in our lives, we don't give in to being unrestrained. This kind of, I can't help myself or the devil made me do it. No. When the spirit is operating fully in your lives, we don't give in to being unrestrained because we are filled with self-control. The works of the flesh, my friend, the works of the flesh are going to be the works of the flesh. But, but what Paul is trying to point us to is that the work of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is not a matter of being, not a matter of being. It's not a being problem. It's not the fact that you are Christian. It's not a being problem, but it's a yielding problem. How do you yield how do you yield yourself? Do you yield yourself to the temptation of the flesh? Do you yield yourself to that which you know is wrong to do? Even Paul had that challenge. Paul said, the good that I would, I do it, do it not. Correct? That, that evil is always present with me. And, and you all can testify to this. You know there have been occasions when you knew to do something right. And oh my God. 
You felt that strong, strong pull, as one young person said in my life. But it feels better to give in. But it feels better to yield to temptation. But it feels, I just got to get this out, and I'll be, I'll be good tomorrow. Just let, just let me hit him one time, Mommy, because he's bothered. I'll be good. To, no. Paul is trying to help this church become mature in the spirit to become mature Christians. And in order to become a mature Christian, you must walk daily in the spirit, walking daily in the spirit, reading, studying your Bible, not just reading it, but studying your Bible, walking daily in the spirit, praying frequently, studying the text, praying, walking daily in the spirit, is staying connected to other believers calling other believers you know that fellowship that fellowship of the believer is really important in nurturing in christian nurturing because again none of us can do this by ourselves this is a daily yielding to the holy spirit this is a daily walk with the spirit because the works of the flesh will always be present the works and the temptation of the flesh will always be accessible because temptation is always there. It's an easy possibility for us unless we're already full. There are some things that are not temptations for me. And I think likewise with you, it's like chocolate. Chocolate is a temptation for me. For other folk, chocolate all day, every day, they can walk right past it. Do not take, let me go down the candy aisle in the grocery store because it's a temptation for me. So we all have particular temptations that, that, that can overcome us. But the, the work here is to become so full in the spirit that your temptation, that you're not overcome by your temptation. What does it mean to be full in the spirit? Let me give you this illustration and I'm going to try to end. Have you ever eaten so much that you become so full that you can't eat another bite. You ever been there? And if you push yourself to eat another bite, it hurts, doesn't it? You ever been that full? To be full of the spirit like that is to be so full, you know, to be so full that, you, you know, you can't, you, can't even, you can't even bring anything else in. At that point, you know, at that point, what does a Christian do when you're so full of love, when you're so full of joy, when you're just about to burst with joy, when you're just about to burst with peace? What should the Christian do? Share that. This is, this is the position that God wants us in, that we are so full, that we're so full of love, that we're so full of joy, that we're so full of peace. Sometimes I come in church and I'm so full of joy that I feel like I'm just about to bust wide open. And I just have to raise my hands in worship to God and give God a hearty thanksgiving because I'm so full that I just have to share it with someone else. You And your joy, see, even right now, I feel, I feel a joy coming on. Your joy becomes contagious. Your joy becomes contagious because you, you, you practice You've gone through daily spiritual practice, daily, 
daily, daily walking with the Lord, daily walking in the spirit and the fruit, you become full of the fruit, so full that you're about to bust wide open, you say. When I was a little girl growing up in the Baptist church, every once in a while, not grown up in, you know, I, I just give my context in black Baptist church. There was a mother's bench. And every once in a while in the Baptist church that I grew up in, the spirit would be so present in the worship service. It was almost palpable. You could, you could almost, you, you know, you almost reach into the sickness of the air. The spirit was just moving in worship. You ever been in worship service like that where it just felt so rich and so full and everybody be rocking, people be rocking from side to side. They'd be waving their hands in the air. And for some, all they could do was shed tears of joy. Just, yes, deep in the soul, deep in the soul, Robert. And these were people when I was growing up, I grew up near the end of Jim Crow laws. These were people who had experienced oppression all through the week. And so when they came to church on Sunday, when the spirit, actually when the, when the, when the choir was singing, the spirit would get full in the church because they had gone through so much oppression. Nonetheless, they could feel the spirit and it touched them deeply. Even in the midst of oppression through the week, they were walking with the spirit. Even in the midst of racism, they were walking in the spirit. Even in the midst of classism, they had been walking in the spirit and they were ready when they came to church for the move of the spirit and the spirit would get so deep in the, in the it, it was contagious and, contagious and you would hear one of the mothers on the mother bench would yell out once in a while say oh I'm so full up I'm full up I'm full up I'm just so full up it meant that they felt the joy of the Lord deep down in their souls it meant that they felt the spirit of God deep down in their souls. It meant that they understood that the world, this world was not their home, but they understood themselves as being artistically sculpted and crafted by the Lord our God. And that their lives, who they were as human beings, that their lives were in the hand of God. What does it mean for us, my friends, to be full of the fruit so that the ways of this world do not affect us in such a negative way that we're unable see, to give God praise? It becomes a struggle, though. Yes, a struggle. It, a struggle. it never ends. I hear you, Robert. It is, and this is what Paul talked about. It is a struggle. It is an internal tug of war. But, amen, but who helps us to overcome? The Spirit of God. And this is what I want us to hold for this week. No matter what, no matter what comes our way, the Spirit of God is able to continue to shape us through the move of the Holy Spirit so that the fruit, which is love, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, generosity. Those things. Yes. Yes. Patience. Patience, but they're they're not unequal. They're not unequal. They're not unequal. All of these fruit of the spirit are gifts from God for our lives to be utilized as God desires. My friends, I pray that the fruit of the spirit will be yours, that it will be in your body, and that we will we will become so full of the spirit that we're willing to share it in the world in which we live. Amen? And may it be so. Thank you all. Thank you all. Now, Robert has gotten a little ahead of what we usually do here. And I thank God for Robert's presence. Robert, let me share with you what we usually do in church at this site. Because I'm a theologian, usually after the sermon, after the sermon, I invite folk to give comments. I invite folks to ask questions because this is the way of Christianity. I don't think God is, I don't, I do not believe that God is offended by our questions or that God desires us not to have questions. And as a preacher, I, I, you know, I situate myself. I, I stand before uh, the people of God in such a way that I know that from time to time, people have questions about a sermon or they have comments like you've had, Robert, and you've interjected them. And uh, we roll with the comments and we roll, we will, we will always do that here at Hyde Park Woodlawn. But if you have questions or comments about the sermon, I invite you to ask your questions right now. Perhaps you have questions, those of you that are joining us live stream, perhaps you have questions or comments Nick, if you'll share them with me, um, then I'll respond to any questions that we might have for today's sermon. Thank you all for joining us in worship. Are there any questions or comments? Go ahead, Joy. Mm-hmm. So the question I have is in discernment of when it's okay to get back up to Because like there's times in which like I'm really happy and I'm like just trying to explain to someone mm-hmm. and using all my patience, kindness, and generosity while talking with individuals, and then you find the stuff that's going to be slack. So that's you know, you know I, I appreciate you admitting that. That's a human trait. To be angry, eh? Uh, Theologically, we talk about sanctification. Now, in the church of God, sanctification is a real strict and purity kind of thing. But the the sanctification, theologically speaking, sanctification is a journey. It's a journey towards perfection. So this text is really good for you, Joy. and, And what I'm saying in the sermon is really good because I'm trying to I was trying to craft the sermon in such a way that we all understand this as a journey. We all understand that we are trying to grow to that point. And we all understand that we're all struggling with the desires and the temptation 
of the flesh. It's not like they're going to go away overnight and you will get angry. And sometimes anger is a good thing too. I don't want us to think negatively about anger because anger provokes us to check our own stuff. Why am I getting angry? What is it about this moment that's causing me anger? And what can I change in the midst of my anger? So I don't see anger as a negative thing. I see anger as productive. If you, if you practice, if, you're, if, if you are daily walking with the spirit, that love will ask you to ask you, you know, will check you in such a way that when you get angry, you will say, you will feel it. It will be tense in your, I mean, when I get angry, I feel like, it's tense in my spirit because I'm trying to be full of love, eh? And when you're trying to be full of love, anger in your spirit is a, is a point where you need to say, okay, what is it about this? Or as the young folks say, why am I triggered? Why is this person triggering me? You know? So you use that. I mean, really, you, I think it's possible to use our temptations to grow in the Lord. Use the temptations to grow in the Lord. Why am I so triggered by chocolate? You know? <laughs> really, you know? And it's not that, that something is totally wrong. But remember, again, we talked about restraint. Do I have the restraint not to eat the whole 50-piece package of Snickers? You see what I'm saying? Oh, can I have one dark chocolate Snicker, which some scientists say dark chocolate is good for you, you know? Can I have it in moderation? So it's a life, it's a life journey. Would you stand and receive the blessing? Most bountiful God, we give you thanks for the world you have created, for the gift of life, and for giving yourself to us in Christ Jesus, whose holy life, suffering, death, and resurrection have delivered us indeed from slavery to sin and death. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, for in that power you have fed us in the sacrament, united us with Christ, and given us a foretaste of your heavenly banquet. We are your children, and yours is the glory now and forever through Jesus Christ our Lord. Bless this thy people as they leave your presence. Be with them as they journey to their homes or to their destinations. God, I pray that you would bring us back again in our right mind, reasonable portion of our health and strength. Circle them with your angels round about them and bless them. Give them a fullness of the spirit so that they might walk in the faith. This is my prayer in Jesus the Christ's name. Amen.